having there. Well, today I'm joined by Claire Dew, um, who's a very experienced judge, and we're going. She's already given us our, her top tips on how to become a judge. So we're going to discover more about Claire today as a judge herself and what she likes and doesn't like. So thank you for joining me this morning, Claire. Good morning, Sarah. So how's it in your house this morning? Oh, yes, it's all good. I expect there'll be some noises off stage from Peter, who probably will put the kettle on, which sounds like a train going and all that sort of thing, but people have to bear (laughs) with us for that. (laughs) No, don't worry. I had um, a lady the other day, she's been, all her children were home at home, obviously, and uh, the homeschooling and everything, Ah, so uh, yeah, yeah, you'll definitely be quieter than that one. That's quite quite an exciting thing for everyone, this homeschooling. We're lucky we don't have to do it. Luckily, I don't have to worry about that now. No, neither do I. So it's a good thing. So just to um, let us know, what panels are you on? As a I'm uh, well on TSR, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm also on the BSPS, the NPS, yeah. the BSPA. Um, I do coloreds. I do ponies UK still. Um, part mm. dressage. Um, so that's it. Oh, did I say NPS? Yes, I think I did. Anyway. Yeah, and so, NPS as well. Yeah. And how long have you been judging? Oh, golly. Um, I think it's about 35, 36 years, something like that. Because I was on the panel when I was terribly young, you understand. (laughs) Well, you're not terribly old now. (laughs) I'm getting that way. So you've been judging for a long while. Do you have any um, highlights? You must have judged at some fantastic shows across the time. Yes, I've been incredibly lucky, really. Um, I've judged at Horse of the Year show three times. Um, Mm. I've done the Royal International, oh, several times. I've done Royal Windsor, which is a particular favourite of mine. Mm. Um, and most of the big county shows, I think probably one of the highlights has got to be going to Australia to judge, which I did twice. Um, and that was, yes, I went um, in 2010, I think it was, and then again in 2011, mm. um, back by popular demand, obviously. Um, And that was an amazing experience and it gives you a whole, it just gave me a whole different perspective on how other people, you know, how other countries look at showing classes. They're terribly keen over there and Mm. they get huge, huge entries Um, and they just seem to have a completely different attitude. They seem to have travelled 3,000 miles to come to a show and then there's 60 entries and so they say, oh, we'll pick um, 15 to judge and we'll just send the others out and they come in at the trot and you just say oh I'll have those 15 <laughs> the rest sort of say thank you so much and off they go which yeah. I it's thought quite hard. Was for art systems quite harsh isn't it quite harsh yes very harsh indeed but no it was amazing um, so and I, they focus much more on their riding ability as well I think much I, more much more their best rider classes they're given um it's printed in their schedules there, you know, what the what they call the workout will be. Mm. And so they come in and they, they really are hotly contested. And I have to say, they've got some fantastic riders, mm. really, really mm. first class. So that, that to me was good. And I felt it was a huge education to me that they put much more store on horse mastership than we do mm. in lots of ways. You know, we set animals up. Um, mm. and then plonk a jockey on, um, and it's almost push-button, whereas you can really see that these children, in the children's classes particularly, you can see that they really are riding the ponies themselves. Um, yeah, and they understand what they're doing, yes. if you know what I mean. Yes. And, and the, 
of, of, of how they ride on their horses. Yeah, and, and yeah. when you look at the younger classes in their leading reins and first ridden, there's no such thing as handles. You know, the hands, you know, even with the little children who are only three or mm. four, the hands are waving about. But the building a seat, an independent mm. seat, and not reliant mm. on leaning on the reins. Um, mm. So, you know, that's all good basic training. Well, it so, is. It there is we go. Indeed. No, I, yeah. I did. I went to Australia once, and I was so impressed with the standard of riding. It was yeah, excellent. It is. So, do you have a favourite class to judge? Do I have a favourite class? Mm. Uh, I think if I really had to pick, I'd probably say I really do enjoy doing the small classes, the leading reins and first ridden. Yeah. Um, I think they're charming. I think they're so important because that's those are the classes where the riders of tomorrow are built. You yeah. know, and I hate to see anything that's sharp and not going to give the little rider a good experience. Um, mm. You know, I want a leading rain pony to be a leading rain pony. And I yeah. like to see the children trying to do a little bit if they can, you know, the steering mm. and the and the mm. brakes um, and that sort of thing. And uh, And it's very rewarding. I think it's very rewarding judging those classes. Yeah. So um, how did you get into all of this to begin with oh, then? Because I know you've been doing it for a very long while. <laughs> well, yes, um, thank so, you. And, and I know when you, you know, you used to be he- heavily involved with um, sponsorship and, and everything at different times. So yeah. when did it all start for you? Because your sister used to chat at you, wasn't it? She yes, used my sister to it all together, really. Yeah. Well, Catherine and I um, were only two and a half years apart. Um, and so we were... And Catherine was quite small for her age, so we were often taken as twins. And we came from a very musical family. All right. Um, everybody played musical instruments, and we were, you know, thrust. Catherine was quite good, actually. She was quite good on the violin. I was completely and utterly hopeless, completely tone deaf. And <laughs> the two of us, from I mean, Mother did ride a bit, you know, but only sort of went up to... Uh, the local place, which was actually mm. run by a chap called Captain Young Husband in, in uh, Stanmore, in, the middle, oh, right. in Middlesex. Um, and Mother used to go up there. And uh, Catherine and I just begged and begged and begged and begged for riding lessons. All we wanted mm. to do was ride ponies. We didn't want to do music at all. <laughs> um, and so we started out that we went just once a week to Captain Young Husband and we, you know, queued up and paid the money at the little window where Mrs. Young Husband stood and had our lessons. And then we moved house and we were lucky enough to go to Bucks Meadow Riding School, which was run by Heather Turner and she was into showing. Oh, right. Um, and they had, I don't know where it came from, but there was some sort of tie up with the Bullen family, because they had quite a few Caperston ponies and, um, mm. you know, things like that. They had decent show ponies. Mm. And Catherine actually rode, she rode in pairs with Jane Bullen. Um, oh, right. Uh, at the Royal International. But we both of us got headhunted as uh, jockeys. Potential so jockeys, that, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> that's where the love of showing came in. Um, That's amazing because because the riding you went to this new riding school that was into showing and then you were all you know that was yeah. that's you you had it from a very early age as it were very early yeah, yeah I think yeah. they were probably because we were quite close to where the stables were Catherine and I used to spend every waking hour when we weren't at school <laughs> there you know leading the learners around mucking out standing in mm-hmm. the dung pit to get the feet warm in the winter. And I think they were so sick of the sight of us that they sort of thought, well, plonk her on that to give it some exercise. And, and obviously, 
I was sort of still quite young. Um, Catherine was still in 12 twos. Um, yeah. So she would have been, you know, she would have been, I think Catherine was about 10 and I was about, maybe Catherine was 9 and I was 7, something like that. Yeah. So those were the, that was the sort of ages that we were. Um, so we did start, yes, quite young. And, the, and it was just then we were just up and running, you know. We went to every show we possibly could mm. and absolutely loved it, loved it, loved it. Um you know, did pairs. We did. I did adult and child, and all yeah. those lots of those classes that we haven't got any longer. Yeah, um, yeah, but, but they were so popular, weren't they? Like, I remember, yeah. pe- you know, they were very, very popular and big, big classes to do. Absolutely. So, so that led on to us having our own ponies, um, mm. which we stabled there, and then I went a little bit off piece in terms that I really like jumping, and so oh, I right. went. I went, I moved to Stables, I moved to um, Patchett's Green where they had cross country courses, you know, indoor school and that sort of thing. And I became a bit more involved in that side where yeah. Catherine stayed more on the showing side. And then she went, funnily enough, she went into jumping as well. So we sort of went separate ways really for a while. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I did a lot of, you know, mini eventing um, and Working ponies were just coming in, so I started doing a lot with working ponies and catching rides here, there, and everywhere um, for other stables. So um, that's where where I went on from then. Yeah. Um, And then as we sort of grew up, I then, I went to college and I met this chap who introduced me to somebody else who had this, um, who I then started going out with, the friend, Mm. and his father was a horse dealer. And... So from then, uh, that was quite a serious relationship for a first boyfriend, you know, my first serious yeah. boyfriend, really. And so I used to go round with them to all the sales, which were at Ascot and Newmarket and Doncaster mm. and all over the country. And and rough places like Southall Market and, I mean, and yeah, yeah you know, well. where he'd buy up ponies or, you know, he'd buy failed racehorses and things. And I can tell you, hunting on something that's fairly fresh out of... Racehorse training isn't much fun when you've got no brakes and no steering. No. I can remember one was called Robson's Republic, and it was quite a feisty little mare, and I thought, I think I passed just about everything. <laughs> Huntsman, hounds, fox, you know, the lot. But don't worry, it's only fair. If you're going by, it should be fine. That's right, yes. Um, but so, you know, a broad bit of background, yeah. a broadish sort of career, really, I suppose. Um, yeah. And then, as Catherine was a bit older than I was, and then... I mean, we were always very close as sisters, um, mm. and we didn't, you know, when she got married, she lived in the same village, um, and she was married to a chap who was a farmer, mm. and we, she had a child very quickly after she got married, she had a child, within, you know, just after a year, mm. and so as Marie came to being a, of an age, we decided that she'd got the land, I was working so I could get some money together to buy some buy a trailer to hitch on the back of her Land Rover. Oh, and great. we were introduced to Anne Lumsden from the Mountain Stud. All right. Um, and she'd picked up a lot of foundation mares from the Twyford Stud. Mm. And we bought a pony called Twyford Cockatoo, a little grey leading rein pony. And, um, and that set us on the trail, really, going through all the pony classes. Um, yeah. You know... And we actually, once Marie was out of the class and David 
at the time wasn't really very interested. Catherine's boy wasn't really very interested. <laughs> so we were looking for, to go on to first ridden for Marie, and we sold Twyford Cockatoo to Rosemary Young and her sister, Adrienne Smythe. Oh, right. And that set up a sort of lifelong friendship, really, because unbeknown to me, um, where I lived at the time, Rosemary lived round the corner. Okay. Um, and so we became, I became best friends, really, with Rosemary. Um, mm. And in the later years, she came into partnership with Catherine and I when her daughter was riding 12 twos. And we had mm. um, Harwood's Tristan, which was a little chestnut 12 two that won at International mm. and went champion there. So um, so she kept ponies. So we, we were all very close and still are to this day. Unfortunately, as you know, I lost my sister Catherine. She, yeah. um, she died some years ago from motor neurons. So... But we did, we progressed through all the pony classes. We did ponies for ourselves. We had clients as well. Yeah, um, you to produce, I remember. We did, um, we did. And Kathy had hats as well. You had hats, Yeah, we both you? did. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I had um, one I bought from David Cronk, um, mm. a chestnut horse called um, Agar Golden Apple. Mm. Um, and we used to go to um, International Horse Year Show with them and riding horses as well. We had one yep. which was called Baggage, and I can't remember what the actual name Oh, I remember Baggage. Do you we remember the bay horse? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, yeah, because we showed her as a broodmare a little bit for... Right, for, um, right. Yeah, when I was about in my t- early 20s. Yes. Yeah, Baggage. Yeah, I'm sure it must be the same one. A, da- a, a, a bay riding horse. That's right, right. yeah. That's it, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, you know, all sorts we had. Um, and then um, I went into... Uh, my first husband was um, not horsey in the slightest, but he had quite a good checkbook at the time. And <laughs> so we used to park him in, uh, it was quite hysterical really, we used to park him in the stands at Peterborough because he was a bit of a nuisance on a showground. And we'd park him in the stand with a catalogue and say, well, you just tick off anything you like to look off. <laughs> and I can remember one particular occasion we decided in our wisdom to put our first ridden, which was the pony called Doolittle Damocles, mm-hmm. um, we put a double bridle on him and shoved him in the 12 too because he was quite a performer. And Alex came rushing back across the showground and said, I found this wonderful, wonderful pony. And, and when he looked in the catalogue and we said, well, actually, you own that one. <laughs> we all thought it was quite hysterical. Um, funny. So, but at least we he owned that. the right one and he liked it. Yeah, he he tried ages for ages to buy a pony called Oakley Loving Free, I think it was called, a forty a bay yeah. fourteen two, and it wasn't for sale. He couldn't buy it, and um, and so his idea then was, well, I I can't buy what I want. Maybe I could look at its breeding and buy something you know that's bred along the same sort of lines, and so from that I went into buying and and. and going into having young stock right. and breeding, you know, so I had mm. brood mares and um, I kept them with um, the Renocks yeah. um, and had quite a bit of success um, and obviously bred the Deaconwood gold print pony, um, which was a 13-2 gun. Well, yeah, um, tremendous. That had a, I mean, it was, it was funny because it wasn't very successful as a two and three year old when it was shown in hand. It looked like a camel, really. Um, because it had such a walk on it, it just used to lap everything, and it was quite immature. And it didn't actually come out and start doing much under saddle until it was six, because it was very mm. babyish, mm. Um, a very big moving pony. 
didn't have the best hind leg in the world, if I'm honest, but it was an operator. Mm. Um, and so, and that had, you know, a, a, a good career. Yeah, um, But sadly then, um, I went through quite a messy divorce and the money sort of dropped off. And so, um, and Catherine at the time was doing her own thing with Marie, mm. who was grown up. Um, although we saw a lot of each other, we weren't actually actively doing the horses together any longer. Mm. Um, you did so a very good series called Tara McCall, didn't you? Which is all about yeah. riding. Was more about riding ability, wasn't it? I yeah, that was yeah. actually, in fairness, that was a bit of a brainchild as the first husband who said he, you know, he he wanted more. He he liked the idea of. I think it was probably the first forerunner of Marks because mm. he wanted more accountability from judges. He said, "Well, you know, that's ridiculous. Can't see where they got that from." And and he kept thinking about what to call it and, and his company at the time was called Town McCall and so mm. we called it the Town McCall and the idea was it was a three-part competition whereby you, you, you went in and the class was roughly judged and you got mm. points for that section and then the next bit was you did an individual freestyle show which judges stood and held marks up for Mm. Um, and so they got that mark and then you got the confirmation mark added in and all the marks were published and you know advertised and mm. so then that's how I think it's sort of a bit like the fore, forerunner of what they now call the blue ribboned because it started off yeah. at Ponies UK the town were called but then it went to BSPS mm. um, I remember because you used to give some lovely sweatshirts and I, went, and I got one and I was oh, like well, well done you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I mean I think that was also from looking at the fact that often, you know, the exhibitors would take the rosette and the cup and all the rest of it, and you think, well, what does the rider actually get? And so mm. it was quite nice to reward the, the jockeys with a sweatshirt. Mm. No, it was good. It was Nowadays, of course, they get all sorts of fancy bits. And well, yeah, yeah, but that, yeah, that was when we just got a rosette, and you were pleased with that. Yeah, that was really, as you say, ahead of, of and set quite a lot of standards to what is what is now if you know yeah, what I mean, a lot of really, people funnily it? enough you know when I sort of bump into to you know people that I've known for years and years on a showground and, you know people like the Binks or whatever and they mm. go oh that Tower McCall we love the Tower McCall so yeah it, it you know really a lot of people still do remember it mm. no definitely so, definitely uh, you so, so yeah. you've had a, a really strong checkered career I suppose well I wouldn't say it's checkered I'd say it's very strong you've done it and you've had some wonderful ponies not only have you shown some fantastic ponies yeah. you've bred some lovely ponies as well well so, yes and we know. got involved as well because we had a, a 14-2 for Marie which was um, Tristram Quickstep which was a grey hmm. and um, and we got sort of you know knew quite a lot of people in the area and we got um pulled into doing a side saddle display because we did a lot of side saddle with Fred, we called him at home. And mm. he was a really good side saddle pony. He was, you know, he won at Windsor, mm. oh, three or four times. And, you know, he, he was oh. very hard to beat. And yeah. um, they took this display to the Essen Equitana and Jutland in Denmark. Mm. Um, and, and that was fun doing that, really, really good fun because we'd go across to Bill Barham um, put the whole thing together. Well, she was a big side saddle lady, wasn't it? Yeah, they were big side saddle people, yeah. weren't they? they were and uh, and getting and Joanna Heal, she mm. her daughter was in it, Tiggy, um, and another girl called Claire, whose surname escapes me, but she was side saddle rider of the year, two years running, I think. Um, mm. But they put this whole display together. Well, 
trying to teach Marie the, the routine was very, very difficult because she didn't pick it up quickly. So there was always, oh, no, Marie messed it up again. She's a bit of a rebel, wasn't she, as well, I think? She was a yeah. <laughs> but that was great fun. So that was another thing that I got, you know, we got yeah. um, hugely involved with that. Um, and so, you know, learning a lot on side saddle and all sorts of things, really. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fantastic to hear all of that. That's really, really, because you, you know, you have been involved in showing for such a long while, and the names you're, you're mentioning are all synonymous, you know, with a, with a really what I would call one of the, the heights of, you know, that that sort of showing when it was at its what I perhaps where you look with rose tinted spectacles yeah. a bit in the past, but I do. You do. Was, I mean, as, I was days, showing as a child, and those days are always. I always think oh, you would have you know, been in the they ring. Yes, you would have been in the ring in, in pony classes when they were at their absolute best. I mean, my mm. first big appointment, I was asked to do the first ridden class at the BSPS Championships. Mm. And there were 90 entries. Yeah. So I judged yeah. it in three sections of 30 in each section. And the idea was to try and pick five from each and then finish up with a final. So, you know, people don't understand how many entries there were no. in those days. No, you used to have six. If you got in, uh, if you got chosen out of your section, that yeah. was a massive thing. And Absolutely. then if you actually got into the final, well, that was just something else, yeah. wasn't it? Do you know yeah. what I mean? so. Oh, it was. And also, the other thing that I think is a great shame is that people's goals in those days were, um, yes, you had the elite that did go to the Horse of the Year show and the Royal International, but you were very grateful to qualify for Peterborough. Mm to qualify to go there. So people didn't yeah. have this. There wasn't just Horse of the Year show and Royal International. It seemed to be much more put on to, um, you know, kudos. Smaller. Yes, more kudos on the smaller shows that were qualifiers because there were a lot more shows in those days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, sadly, we've lost a few. And I think the only thing, the regret, I think the big thing at, at Peterborough was the novice class, you know, to win the novice. Mm championship at Peterborough was was really something. I can remember seeing Holly of Spring um, yeah. with Bridget Enston um, win the novice championship and thinking that's something unbelievable, that pony. Mm. Um, and though, you know, that sort of taking a pony on slowly, you know, they seem to be so rushed these days. You know, I hate yeah. seeing four-year-olds at Horse of the Year show. I, don't, I think it blows their brains, I don't think. I mean, yeah. very few animals are ready for it. No, I would agree with you, and but it's very then, hard and to keep, you know, to keep them settled and yeah. get some longevity out of them. It is, but then on the other hand, you have to look at it having sat on the on the side of being a producer. You look mm. on the side that that's your bread and butter is to pick something up, get it qualified, sell it on at a profit, and move on. Yeah, um, you know, so that, so people you know do need to to uh, earn a living. Mm. So. But ideally, it would be nice to, I, I agree with you with the novices. You know, in hunters, we tend to have it more, a little bit more, that you can set the horse up for the novice yeah. season, and, and then we yes. do still do that a bit. It's gone a lot. And, there's, and gone. there's the four-year-old but, classes, of course, aren't there? Well, very. There's probably three now. Is that all? <laughs> Not very many. No. That's fallen out. So we are really, the novices are really even <clears> more important now, the four-year-olds, aren't they? Because I remember going to all International with a four-year-old with, when I was at Davina White and because that you could just enter and go and yeah. you know that was a really big thing there at that yeah. time but no we have lost that novice element but it is a two-way thing as you say we would all prefer four-year-olds not to be rushed so much but in the current you know people want everything now and 
and yeah. not later. And, yeah. and as you say, it's just how it is, isn't it? Unfortunately, it is. It is. And I don't think it's going to change. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no think matter it how much we'd like it to, I don't think I it know. will. And if we ever do get back to a horse show, I dread to think, you know, what it's going to be like with uh, everybody <laughs> sort of trying to think. Oh gosh, they're actually going to put the horse of the year show on. We've got to go. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, oh dear. There we go. We'll so, see um, that takes us. Well, with um, when you're judging a class, um, mm-hmm. what do you have any key pet dislikes that we should know about, or um, in confirmation or way of going well, or anything? In confirmation, I'm I'm fussy about limb. I really don't yeah. like poor limbs on an animal. Um, you know that are showing wear and tear, or mm-hmm. have put up a confirmation fault because of, you know a intrinsic fault like a twisted cannon or an offset mm. cannon or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm always looking at limb um, yeah. because if you haven't got a limb, you haven't got a, an animal. And you can generally tell when they're going round if something's got poor conformation because of the way it moves, the yeah. way it tracks up, the way it uses its hind leg, etc., etc. So limb is mm. key for me. Yeah. Um, and I, in, in way of going, I'm... I hate anything that's overbent, um, yeah. particularly in the smaller classes. It's very, yeah. very unsafe in a first-ridden class. I'd much rather see something beyond the vertical, slightly poking its nose. It's so much safer. If the mm. pony trips or something, you know, the child's got half a chance of still staying on, whereas mm. if they're overbent, it, well, it's, it's straight the over the top of its head, isn't it? Yeah, and, um, it's, and it's not, and it's too light, as it mm. were, and in there's no control is there there's no. nothing in the person's hand to say that's right that, yes so you know it's, yeah. yeah and uh and and when you get to the bigger classes you know if they're overbent they're not tracking up they're not using themselves correctly they're not working over the back and mm. the whole picture just looks completely wrong yeah yeah so uh so that's, so that's a yes, pet the pet hate, that's fair enough. You're not alone in that at all. My pet mm. hate is fast trotting, can't stand it. <laughs> mm. um, so when you're looking for a show, when you're mm. when people come out to do a show, are there where if if they're when they're putting it together, um, you know, they're obviously thinking about the best paces for the horse and everything, but is there anything really specific that you like to see, um, in a show? Um, I do like to see a few strides of walk, either at yeah. the beginning or the end of the show. I think yeah. I hate it when they sort of clap the legs onto the sides and shove off a, a smart trot. I think, well, let's, mm. you know. But I like a show to be fluid. And yeah. it doesn't have to be long to be fluid. No. To use the ring, work out where they're going to do their show, it can be very basic and very simple. I can see in a short show everything I want to see. I want yeah. to see it walk, trot, canter on both legs and a slight extension. Depending on going, I'm not a mad galloping fanatic. Um, obviously, mm. if it's a hunter pony class, I do want to see it stretch and move on. Mm. But I don't want a mad dash up the front. So no. I like something that flows and is fluid with something obedient, biddable, calm, collected, with that extra, you know, look of I'm fresh, I'm, I'm interested in what I'm doing. Mm, um, mm. some ponies can go through the motions and it hasn't done anything wrong but it just hasn't set you alight so it's got to have mm. a bit of showmanship and pizzazz about it yes yeah. um, rather than well that was alright but it was a bit boring 
Do you know what mm. I mean? Yeah, no, um, I didn't notice a little bit of difference in the in the present. And present yeah. or even if the jockey is, even if the pony's quite sort of, you know, as you say, just going along, if the jockey is is smiling and, and coming across, yes. you know, really positively, that will lift the pony a little yes. bit, won't it? And also you know I mean. the other thing is that, that has become a fashion is that ponies don't seem to be able to canter a circle any longer. They They go off into canter, they do half a circuit, they flop back to trot, they trot miles across the middle before they wait for a corner to go off on the other leg. I like to see a pony canter into the middle three or four strides and hop off onto the other leg. It goes yeah. to show the pony's well-schooled, it's well-balanced. The child mm. knows that she's not leaning or leaning out to one side to try and yeah. you know, get it onto the right leg. I mean, they're not first-ridden classes. And so many of the, of the intermediates are now riding what I call first-ridden shows. They don't seem to be able to be capable of cantering round and doing three strides and off on the other leg, mm-hmm. um, which I think by the time they get to that stage, they really should should be doing. Yeah. Um, I'm not a lover of a set show. I would much rather somebody went out and then just went and impressed me with something. Mm. can be quite basic, quite simple, um, but I'm not a lover of set shows, so I would avoid it unless I was told or I had to, but if I had to, um, yeah. if it was some particular time constraint or... It was a huge, huge class and, you know, they want to set one off before the other one finished sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would keep it short and sweet and simple. Yeah. You wouldn't be asking for a, comp- a complicated show, no. as it were. No. no. And does that um, go for your M&Ms, really? Because you do... My M&Ms, I get really quite shirty if I get, um, you know, M&Ms coming out and doing serpentines and things like that. I want to see the breed showcased for how the breed should go. Much yeah. more in, you know, when you're coming down to M&M's, much more natural. If mm. you've got a Welsh Section D, why would you do a canter serpentine? It's not its best pace anyway. No. Um, it, it, you want to see that doing its, what it does best, which mm. is, you know, a lovely trot. Balanced, yeah. using its hind leg, getting its hind leg underneath it. You know, the mm. hock's got to come up as high as the knee. You want to see all that sort of thing. And if it's cantering in a serpentine around you, you can't see that. No, you can't. Um, so, so, with the M and M's, if I was coming under you as an exhibitor with the M and M's, it is, it, it, and it wasn't a set show, then mm. don't try and do a more performance-based. No, I don't want a performance-based halt mm. and off into canter and all that sort of thing. Mm. I want to see something basic. I want to see the pony moving in the in the fashion to how it should be going. Yeah. You know, in other words, I'm going to expect something from the Dales. I'm probably going to expect quite a lot more trot. I think it's only very recently at the Dales Breed Show that they allow them to canter. They mostly did mm. trot, which is what mm. they're bred to do. Well, so yeah. I would expect almost, you know, the canter to be incidental mm. to them. And just going um, on to type a little bit with the M&Ms, because um, especially in the Welshes, there is a, because I was discussing this earlier with another judge, there is a range of types within the breed standard, because we were saying that Fells and Dales, they're much seems to be less variety of type within the breed standard. But with the Welshes, you can get some very fine quality Section Bs and then some what I would call some more traditional Section Bs. And yeah. then in, the D, in the Section Ds, you can get them at 14.2, which is what, personally, I quite like. Or yes, you can I get some, too. I mean, it's a bit of a shame that they, they've taken away. Yeah, you can get some bigger, more horsey types. So where, what sort of types of M&M in the Welshes do you, you know, in the, in the Welsh's, I, in the Welsh's, I think um, we're starting with the A's. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some really, really lovely ones around, but there are some that are a little bit 
I think they've taken the breed too far. They've become what I would call like a mantelpiece ornament pony, you know, with mm. the overly exaggerated dished face and, yeah. um, you know, too short in the back. You couldn't put a saddle on them anywhere. Mm. Um, so I'm looking for something that is perhaps a bit more old-fashioned with, you know, a little bit of bone and a little bit more length of rein, a little bit more substance to it. Yeah. Um, section Bs, I agree with you. There are some that are... It, it's a difficult thing to explain, perhaps, on the telephone, but I feel with the Section B that the, the limb must be, there must be enough limb and enough bone to support the frame. Yeah. And sometimes you get an unfortunate situation where you've got these little spindly legs and a great big body and the whole thing doesn't look balanced. Mm. I don't mind them being slightly finer if the, if the bone is sufficient to carry the so weight of the body. Because they are very flashy, some of them, and then you some of them are. But when you get into them, you think, "Gosh, you know, um, they're they're Mm. almost like you call Wednesday legs. Wednesday going to break, you know, because they're so (laughs) so so fine. Wednesday legs, yeah. Um, And the section B's, there are some lovely ones around that have got you know nice little short cannons and Mm. uh, you know a little bit more bone about them. And and with the section B, of course, I'm always looking at the hind leg because some of those can be very unfortunate. Yeah. Um, you know, that that is still where the engine is. And so you've still got to have a let down hock and still get them to, to use themselves and have a little bit. Sometimes they're very, very short in the depth from hip depth in their in their quarters are lacking. Mm. So mm. I'm looking for that. Um, section and sometimes their tails are set very high on in Section B, aren't they? They are. They're almost tending to look rather Araby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I prefer a slightly lower set tail yes. myself. But, you know, it's all personal preference. It is. It? A lot of it's personal preference. As we said the other day, you know, if we all like the same thing, it would be very boring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then section Cs, you can get a huge variation in type in the C as well. Um, mm-hmm. And action, I think, is, is paramount. You get a lot of dishing, which is not yeah. correct. Um, and sometimes you sort of get a... a big body and again there's little legs and it's the bone below the knee can sometimes be very sadly lacking in section C's Hmm. and feet feet are vitally important as well so you know make sure if you're judging that you're looking at the feet because yeah because they can get a bit narrow and boxy they can get very narrow and boxy yeah Um, Hmm. and that's not good at all Um, and as you said about the D's I think it's unfortunate we don't have the 14-2 because I still think if I had two that I really like, I'd always go for the pony type that's still got yeah. its pony characteristic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's really interesting to know because there is a great variance and it is quite personal because there's nothing wrong with a horsey type and there's nothing wrong with a smaller pony type because it's completely allowed within their breed standard. But yeah. it's what you prefer as a judge and, and that's, you know, that's, it's healthy to like different types, but... It's, it's difficult for judges and for yeah. competitors to understand when there is such a variance, isn't there? One week you might be up because that person likes that type and the next minute you'll be down because the person likes it. I think, I think actually that's, that you've probably hit the nail on the head there as to why the M&Ms are quite popular mm. because there is a huge variation in what judges like and dislike. And so mm. therefore, the class, whereas in the placid classes, it tends to be a little bit more form booky in that a pony's up and winning and most judges tend to like it. Often mm. you'll find with M&Ms that you can have a pony that stands top of the line one week and it's bottom of the line the next. Mm. There's a lot mm. more variation in what's winning. Um, you know, a lot less consistency, shall I say. 
Yes, and that's not, and that's not a bad thing because everyone feels they've got a chance. And exactly. uh, this judge likes this type, so yes. that's a chance for me this week. And yes. perhaps I'll try this judge, and well, that's no, right. she likes the different types. That's, no, right. that is, that, yeah. that's a good point, actually. It's a very, very good point. Very good point indeed. Um, so with um, the show, again, mm-hmm. as we sort of diversified onto type a little bit, so I thought it would be quite interesting. Um, what, what's your view on a wrong leg in a show? Ah, well, there's so much controversy about this, isn't there? And I think yeah, sometimes, <laughs> I think sometimes people forget that this is a two-part competition. And mm. you've got 50% of the mark for the performance and 50% for the confirmation. And yeah. if you've got a really lovely animal that comes out and probably nine times out of ten it's pilot error the jockeys just unbalance the pony or asked when the pony is not balanced or Mm. uh, you know it's a wrong signal and the pony just strikes off on the wrong leg if it's quickly corrected i'm not going to penalize it that heavily um having said that i've I've five marks have come off straight away for the fact that it's not a perfect show is it so you can't give it you know, if you're marking, you can't give it 46 or 47. If it's gone and had a wrong leg, it's got to be down, mm. in my book, at, at least five marks off, depending yeah. on how bad it is. If it's yeah. just a sort of hesitation and then oh, it just goes onto the right leg, it's, you know, it depends mm. on the misdemeanor, how bad is yeah. it. Um, but if then, so if it's had a wrong leg and it's probably down at, say, 40 or 38 or something like that, and yet I've had a pony that's done a really nice show that's got 44, 45, something like that. But then when I take the saddle off the two of them, one of them is very definitely a 40s pony. It strips beautifully, it moves mm. straight, it's got a leg at each corner, it's got all the things I'm looking for. And the other one has got something that I don't like. You know, mm. I could well be, they could be at least 10 marks apart, if not more. Yeah. And so therefore, the pony with the really good confirmation that has actually had a bit of a wrong leg, is going to come up, up there. above yeah. the one that, that hasn't had a wrong leg mm. because mm. it is so much better in its make and shape. And so that's, yeah. that's how results are arrived at. Um, and so I think you can't, you can't be, uh, what's the word? I'm, you can't say I always would take off five for a wrong leg because it might be a wrong leg that was terrible for you. you might have three wrong legs in which case yeah. it's 15 off or 20 off you know yes yeah. but a small misdemeanor of a wrong leg isn't going to really phase me that much no. I absolutely love the pony if I've got two ponies that are really both lovely one's had a wrong leg and one hasn't well it's an easy decision but mm. if one is far superior in its make and shape then that's got to come up above the other one yeah no, that's fair enough, entirely. No, it's fair. And so, another thing that gets a bit of chat is bits. And yeah. you said that the leading reins and persons were one of your, you know, if yeah. you enjoy judging that section a lot. So, what's your view on bitting in the leading reins and persons? And there's oh, always a bit of chat about Wilkie. There is. Any all of, of bit, I, I any have bit. no objection to the Wilkie bit, per se. Um, yeah. I'm not going to say, oh, it's got a Wilkie. I think it's become extremely fashionable, shall I say, and yeah. a lot of people coming into it will buy a pony that's in a Wilkie bit, so they keep it in a Wilkie bit. And mm. whether it needs it or not mm. is the question I would ask. Um, yeah. But I'm not going to say that I'm going to put something down just because it's in a Wilkie bit. If it's happy in its head carriage, the child, you know, it doesn't look like yeah. it's leaning or, you know, that sort of thing. It's all about how it produces and appears in front of me and performs. 
Yeah, and when you yeah. come to first ridden classes, sometimes some of these little ponies can be quite heavy in the hand or they can be, you know, take a bit of a yeah. pull. And I'm all for safety. And so I'd yeah. much rather see a first ridden with a slightly stronger bit in the child's well in control than I would like to see, than I would see it in a, you know, ordinary egg but snaffle where they're having problems. Yeah, they can't break or they, yeah. you know, they can't so, manage. So as long as the child, you know, is capable enough to, you know, to cope with the bit and the pony's not evading it or, you know, obviously that's another hate of mine. If something is unsettled in the mouth, it's unsettled in the mouth for a reason. Have the people not, A, had its teeth looked at or B, decided, well, that bit's not suiting this pony. Let's try Mm. something else. Mm. Um, And it is interesting when you look at a class that probably in a leading rein class, you'll probably find at least nine out of ten of them have got Wilkie snaffles in. Well, yeah, that's quite commonplace. And do you have, not that it's a rule, um, but do you have a, well, it's a, we're advised by judges, um, by societies as judges, that you lead in, leaders should lead in the left hand in leading rain classes. Do you have a specific view on that? Or do yes, you I do. I, I oh, definitely <laughs> do have a view on it. I, I don't like it to be led by the right hand. The yeah. right hand is there in leading rein classes, to grab the jockey should something go wrong. And mm. if you've got the rein in your right hand, how are you going to quickly pull that child off the pony? Yeah. You can't. Yeah. No. So that is so, the reasoning behind it. Having yeah. said that, it's become so fashionable that, that you know, unless you specifically ask for it, mm. um, then you're going to have a problem because mm. you're going to find so many do. I mean, I, I, I did a little experiment at... Um, the championships one year where I did ask everybody to lead with the left hand and yeah. they all did it and the ponies coped fine and it was fine and I judged the class and I was quite happy but several of those people came into a leading rein class later in the week with me all back leading with the right hand so they really? didn't think to themselves oh this judge likes us to lead with the left that wasn't which I found quite strange yes um, they didn't engage the brain yeah <laughs> Because if I wanted to get those, if I, I would think, well, she asked me to lead in the left hand last time, so perhaps I might get a couple more marks if I do that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? You, you know, because if, 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 well. if I haven't specifically said I would prefer or I would like you to lead with the left hand, which I think they're mm. now trying to say that if you prefer them to be, you should say so before the class. Yes, it's and fair. I think that that's think fair, fair to the exhibitor because yeah. they know where they stand. But if you yeah. haven't asked them to then I don't think you can penalise them if they're leading no. with the right. Because a lot of professional producers do lead with the right hand and well, a lot do. of people will be taught to lead with the right hand. And I think that's where it's difficult for people coming into showing or starting out because, yes. you know, we, we as a trainer, I would advise someone to lead in the left hand just in case that judge has a preference for the yes. left hand and you don't know. So so you might be on the game there. Um, but also then they say, well, actually someone won the other day and they left they led in the right and yeah. it's like well yeah. it's very difficult well, for people isn't it yeah it's it's difficult it's I think you're absolutely right in that it's a lot safer to lead it with the left hand A mm. for health and safety reasons that you can mm. get the jockey off and I've never seen a pony put down because it's led by the left hand no on the other no. hand I have seen it put down if it's led by the right yeah so it's just quite so it's, it's, if, I you, think your if you're in is, doubt lead it with yeah. the left lead it in the left that's what I say strong it, advice yeah. Yes, but really judges should make their preference known. If they're going to have a preference, um, they should make it known at the beginning of the class, shouldn't yes. they, I think, yes. really. Yes, that's, that's, that's the way to go. Yes, that's um, the way to do it. Yeah. No, that is very clear. 
Right, well, that's been great. Is there any other advice that you could give anyone coming underneath you um, as a judge, as it were, to, that you would like to see? or, or have I would time? like them to concentrate on the walk because right. it's the first pace that the judge sees. You enter the ring at the walk, and so many yeah. of them come in on a tight rein with a tense jockey, and the, you know, the animal has shortened its stride and everything looks mm. wrong. And it's the first impression you get, and you think, oh, dear, that's not quite what I'm looking for. So yeah. if they can have a reason, reasonable length of rain and striding out, you yeah. know, cover yeah. the ground. Make sure your walk is something to say, here I am. I'm here. I've arrived. Now you can look round to see what you're going to play second. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of, you know, we've lost a lot of that by not having the final walk round at the end when you could yes. win or yeah. lose the class. No, I um, would agree. That walk round, yeah, the walk at the end was always paramount, really, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And also, the other thing was I can remember being taught as a child, you know, never, ever relax and, and when you're waiting in line. And you never know when that judge might turn around and look at you. <laughs> and so you now see children with their feet out the stirrups and they're hunched back and they let go of the reins and they're looking bored to tears. The pony's resting a leg. So it's all about showmanship. You never yeah. know when I might glance behind me and I might see you and I might think, hmm, it's not looking quite so hot. So that's what I like. I like a pony to present itself to me. So it's got yeah. to come in on a nice relaxed rein, walking like a lady going to a ball, and then I'm happy. And I'm yeah. looking out, ready for it to go into trot, thinking, well, I liked that at the walk. What's that trot like? Yeah, you want it. you're going to watch it for its next pace, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. that's the other thing I would say is, um, the art of showmanship, if you ride the ring, ride the ring ropes, if a judge has seen you and likes you, she'll find you again. And nothing's mm. worse than when they all try and overtake each other and they get cl- ever closer and closer and closer to you. Um, mm. So, you know, if you watch the professionals in horse classes, you very rarely see anybody overtake or cover up when they're going in front of the judge. Nice. Very mm-hmm. rarely. People are much more polite, whereas some of the pony classes, they become like um the ends particularly and the colours. <laughs> yes. yes. There's a lot in those classes and they do in in the they do There's no the etiquette to no. Uh, you know, to circle away and just give somebody some space. Everybody mm. needs to be looked at. And so yeah. if everybody obeyed the rules and stayed out, um, or circled away and just gave everybody that chance to be to be seen, mm. um, it would be a lot That's better. Right. Well, thank you very, very much. That's all right. That. That's been a really, really interesting chat and um, really found out what you do and dislike and, and lovely to hear about your background 